Hi friends, welcome to the Little Bean Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Little Bean Pod. I am your host, Sabrina. Wow, what a time to be alive. (laughs) I feel like every time I go to record, I'm trying out a different setup. Today's setup is in the playroom, surrounded by some nugget cushions to help with the sound absorption. And then additionally, I now have a tiny piece of fabric over top of my microphone, hoping that it will eliminate some of those mouth noises that bother me so much. I did some testing. It sounded okay. So let's hope that this is the one, you know, before we actually dive into getting a proper mic, maybe this is the nice temporary fix that we need. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again to the most chaotic podcast that I believe is on the market right now. (laughs) Once again, today's episode might be a little bit random because I simply just do not have time in my life. I thought that I did. I thought I had enough time for a podcast and apparently I don't. Apparently, apparently I don't, but I don't want to give up on it either. So we are where we are. My work life has been completely bonkers lately, and it's not even that I'm busy. They just keep changing like really massive things, and then I have to reorganize and process and have all these debrief conversations, and it's like really exhausting. I feel like I'm having like a little bit of an existential crisis with work because my goalposts and direction are constantly changing, and I just feel super lost right now and unsure of what it is I'm supposed to be doing when I arrive at my desk each day. And it's a shame because I was really starting to like enjoy my job. I was gaining confidence. I was feeling more and more proud of the expertise and skill set that I had. But now that comes hand in hand with so much frustration. And I would really love to get into the specifics certain things, but I know that that's not in my best interest. So my apologies for being vague, but I feel like right now it's just all consuming. So much of my mental energy is going towards work challenges right now. And it's unfair because it's obviously impacting my personal life and I'm not able to just do the things that I want to be doing. I mean, last night I was working until 930 because I had all these ideas on how to back up a project that I've been wanting to champion in the midst of also trying to complete a self-reflection that we were only given a week to do, only to arrive at my desk this morning to find out that my team is shifting to another org yet again. This is not the first time in the last year that this has happened. And our priorities are likely going to be shifting. And that project that I spent a lot of effort on yesterday, putting a proposal together, it will probably never even see the light of day at this point. The morale is just super low. And everyone, including myself, obviously, is just like deeply frustrated in a lot of things. And because of all this chaos, I had to postpone releasing this episode to Friday instead of Thursday. I truly just can't catch a break, (laughs) or so it feels. (sighs) Okay, this does still feel therapeutic for me in a sense where I can just vent and get things off my chest because normally I would resort to something like Instagram stories to do this and I don't want to do that there. Sadly, I have made several attempts to just sit in front of the mic and push record and start talking, but my thoughts simply do not form at a rate that would be acceptable for listening ears, and I am way, way more articulate when I prepare a script or at least some sort of reference point (laughs) to know what I'm talking about. 
So last week was March break for our daughter, so we had to find some things to keep a three-year-old busy, and we ended up going to Toronto for about five days, and it was pretty good overall. A lot of time spent on the road, but ultimately we did some fun touristy things in the big city. We went to the aquarium, we went up the CN Tower, and as two people who grew up in the greater Toronto area, we had never actually been up the CN Tower, so it's kind of like one of those big bucket list things that you do need to at least experience once. <laughs> um, we ate some good food, but yeah, it was a good time, and I think some core memories were made. I think our daughter had a lot of fun, but I am happy to be back home and just trying to get back into a routine of some sort. Not that there ever really was one that existed in the first place. Uh, yep, work in progress, um, even still. We did also manage to hit up the library early last week, and I actually read a book. Go me. I am not a reader. I do not consider myself a reader. I'm almost anti-books, if anything, because it's very difficult for me to hold my concentration on a story. Hello, ADHD. Um, but fiction is definitely easier to grab my attention. But yeah, reading is notoriously difficult for me. However, if I find a good book, sometimes I just can't put it down and then I finish it in like a matter of days. And I've been seeing loads of Colleen Hoover references lately, Coho. And I saw one of her books on the shelf as soon as I walked in the library called Heart Bones. I think it's one of her more recent books, but yeah, I grabbed it. I read it in like two days. It was probably the fastest I've ever read a book. I felt very proud of myself, but I just couldn't put it down once I started. I was obsessed. It was a really adorable love story. It actually made me cry like three separate times, which I didn't think I could do from a book. So that's cool. Um, and now I kind of just want to read all of her books. I think they're really bingeable. <laughs> she has like 20 of them. Um, I was going to buy one or two more from Indigo because they had a sale over the weekend, but then I thought, no, let's keep going to the library, even if it means putting myself on a wait list. So I did that for a couple of them. Uh, so yeah, more coho books to come, which I'm sure will be fun. I read so little that I don't even have a preferred genre. I have enjoyed a number of sci-fi books, though. I'm particularly a big Andy Weir fan. I really enjoy his writing style. They're, like, funny, and you just get really enveloped in the world he's created, and he just does a really good job of bringing you in. You know, that, uh, that narrative transportation that I mentioned before. Coming around full circle. He wrote The Martian, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with because it became a film. Um, but I read that before seeing the movie and I thought it was so funny and so good. And it was probably the first time I've like laughed out loud while reading a book. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that one. And of course the movie is pretty great too, but the book is definitely better in my opinion. I think that's often the case just because there's so much more detail. Another one is Project Hail Mary, which is also allegedly going to become a movie and allegedly starring Ryan Gosling as the main character. So that'll be a real good one too. And then Artemis, Artemis, I think it's Artemis, is another really, really good one. Yeah, so go sci-fi. Reading a book was definitely a recent win, and I'm in the process of reading another that I might touch on in a bit. So perhaps I'm in my reading era, as those Gen Zs like to proclaim. Everything is an era now. So. <laughs> I thought that maybe for today's episode, I would outline a couple things that I'd like to stop doing or things I'd like to give up. Another podcast that I listened to did this recently and I thought it was a fun idea because we're always looking for things to start doing and start implementing into our daily lives. It's like we're always on the cusp of wanting to have this like new habit, new routine, 
But why not switch it up and talk about the things we want to stop doing? Because these are things that will likely benefit me overall, and maybe it could benefit you too. Maybe you can get some ideas from me. Maybe we can go through some of this together. Let's find out. Okay, before I properly jump into this list, I have a few pet peeves that I just really need to call out and get off my chest, and they are in no way related to one another. (laughs) But the first is a kitchen thing. It really, really bothers me when a relatively clean dish is put into a sink full of very messy dishes. Please tell me I'm not the only person (laughs) that gets annoyed by this. I like to put dishes next to the sink on the counter instead of right in the sink. And this is also probably because our new house has a farmhouse sink. So it's just like one giant basin. And I'm already realizing like maybe, maybe I'm very particular about how I do dishes, but maybe not. We'll see. Okay. So here's a perfect example because it just happened last night. And unfortunately, I'm going to throw my husband under the bus a little bit for this one. (laughs) Sorry. But the sink had quite a few dirty dishes in it. And on the top was a plate with about a tablespoon's worth of ketchup on it that hadn't yet been rinsed off. But here's the problem. He then put one of those beeswax wraps on top of it. So the wrap itself, which was used to just cover something and really only just needed like a quick rinse and it would be fine again. But now it's covered in ketchup unnecessarily. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Anyway, it really bothers me when that happens. Another pet peeve, people who do not have enough self-awareness. I'm talking people who are walking on the sidewalks and don't realize that they're walking in the middle and leave no room for people to pass, or people who just can't read a room and they say things that aren't appropriate, like wrong place, wrong time kind of people who just don't latch on to common sense or body language or the mood even. I have a very hard time being around people who lack self-awareness. I might even add, I think self-awareness often goes hand in hand with empathy and people who don't know how to lift you up or advocate for you, they often just don't feel human to me or like their soul is busted or something. It just, it isn't right. Okay. And then lastly, this is an incredibly silly one that I just need to say out loud because it's been really bothering me lately. And then I'll move on to some more deep things. But this is also something that we can collectively stop doing. So it's fitting. And that is using the word aesthetic so much. It is being thrown around like far too much to the point where it's become almost its own isolated adjective. It just really, really bothers me. It's almost being used with words like vibe or mood. But even worse, I hear it being used as a means of describing a noun. So like This phone case is so aesthetic. Like, what? That doesn't, like, no. The word to me is more of like a broad descriptor, and you use it alongside something else like a noun, like the minimalist aesthetic or the cubist aesthetic. But when it's used as its own singular adjective, I just cannot get behind that. It scratches a part of my brain and, like, short circuits it where I just feel like I'm twitching when I hear it. It makes me so uncomfortable. So please don't use the word aesthetic around me like that. Just No. Okay, moving on. Those are my pet peeves. Let's shed the weight. Things I'm giving up. Speaking of shedding the weight, I would like to shed the excess. I'm in this place where I really want to just like improve. I want to be better. I want to be a better person, not only to myself, but to the people around me. And I want to shed the weight of the inessential and instead focus on the essential things. I want to feel more streamlined and I want to have a better gauge on what's important and what is worth my time and effort, but more importantly, what isn't worth my time and effort. 
My problem is I feel like in order to get to that place, I need to organize and review what currently exists. And that comes with an administrative aspect. So shedding that extra layer of skin or peeling away the layers of the onion ends up feeling like this massive lofty task. And I already struggle to find extra time. And then things just feel like they keep piling on and on. And it's almost like I'm getting buried further and further underground rather than sprouting my leaves like I want to. And that's really not a nice place to be. It's very conflicting. It's like I have 15 different to-do lists for different areas of my life. And it's so difficult to tackle any part of any of them. My therapist once told me to just set that list aside. Try not to think about it for two weeks. Pretend it's not there and that there's nothing on it and just see how I feel. And while I was able to feel that slight sense of relief for a couple days, ultimately I was like, who are we kidding? The list is still there. The things I need to do are still there. So if you have any tips, uh, I'm all ears. I feel like I've tried it all. Maybe it's just my personality. I don't know. An easy transition from shedding the excess is ditching the to-do list altogether. Like maybe this all just coincides with me having ADHD, which I'm very much still learning. Like what are the symptoms versus what's a personality trait versus what are just human nature things? Like it's quite difficult to differentiate those things, which makes sense because it can be really tricky to diagnose someone with ADHD because some of the things are just normal behavior. They're annoying things that everyone does or thinks about anyway. Okay, sorry, I'm getting off track. So organization is key for me. I have a hard time functioning when things aren't organized in my surroundings. And that being said, I feel like if a random person were to come into my space, they might think that it's a little chaotic. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe I'm being hard on myself, but despite things sometimes getting a little chaotic, I also know where every single thing is. I have a very photographic memory, but to that point, I just feel extra disorganized lately and it's definitely impacting my ability to get things done because it's distracting me. It's something I want to fix but I don't necessarily have the time or rather I don't make the time and then I fixate on the problem that exists rather than spending that time actually working on a solution which as I'm saying this it's a pretty classic ADHD symptom. <laughs> I see memes for it all the time like people with ADHD spending all their time thinking about all the things they want to do in a day but never being able to decide on something and then you know 12 hours go by and they ended up having done nothing at all and they hope that tomorrow will be different. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. That's me right there. Or I actually have this quote written in my phone that I like to remind myself of often from a Bo Burnham show where he says, Not today. Nah, I'll do that tomorrow. Tomorrow comes and it's still today. Tomorrow's a relative term. We're not getting there. <laughs> but that's truly how I feel most days. Tomorrow is just entirely relative and I'm never actually getting there. But truly, a great example of this, and this might ultimately turn into a little bit of a tangent, but is that we we moved into our current house just about a year ago now, and I still have not unpacked many things. And I think this is like a normal thing for a lot of people where like some boxes just go unnoticed and they sit there for a long time before getting unpacked. But there's still a number of boxes that we have yet to open. But then I have this frustration of wanting to be minimal and be intentional about the space that's being used in our home. And that's like, Something that I definitely strive for is just that like intentionality behind where things are, how they're displayed, what is being stored behind a closed door, and it shouldn't be chaotic. You should know where everything is. Everything has its place. But then I get caught up in trying to ensure that it's perfect, and then it just never gets done. And that's coupled with the fact that we have a toddler, and she doesn't really let us do things. <laughs> 
Like if she just let me sit next to her while she plays, while I go through and organize a box of stuff, I could get so much more done in a day. But she doesn't let that happen. Not that I'm blaming her, but it's just, you know, one of those things. It's an aspect. And I think that really impacts my quote unquote free time. And there are spaces in my home that I am in all the time, like my office. I have, I think, 13 drawers in that room that are full of things, but they're in no way organized. And it really bothers me that I don't have an opportunity to organize those drawers because when I moved in, I just needed to like shove things to get them out of the way in order to actually start working. But then they've kind of just been there ever since. And then it turns into this chaotic thought of like, we have too much stuff and I want to just get rid of it all. And then that spirals into like, well, those things have value to them or they could be donated or given to someone else. But that's like a whole other administrative process. I've said this before, but I have this need to like monetize. And I think it's because I've always felt like very protective of money. I've had to work very hard for what I have. So money is something extremely precious to me and far from something that I have an abundance of. So I feel like, and this is perhaps a very selfish thing to say, but I feel so much more in favor of selling things than to just donate them because I feel like I need to get my money back in a way. And I know that that's like selfish and oftentimes very unnecessary because it takes so much more effort to try and sell something than it is to donate it. But I don't know. This is just a daily struggle that I go through. You're getting some insight into my mind and how it works. It's just like part of this cloud that always looms over me, this list of things that needs to be done. And I would love to just get rid of the pressure that I put on myself to do those things because no one has put any sort of expectation on me except myself. So why should I continue to bombard myself with it? I don't know. So maybe that's something I can give up. Maybe not so much the to-do list itself, but like the pressure I put on myself to do it, to like complete items on it. I don't know. Okay, maybe I'll take a wee break here and collect my thoughts (laughs) before moving forward. Thanks for sticking with me. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Another thing that I would really like to give up is just my pessimism. Is that the right word? A tendency to see the worst aspect of things or believe that the worst will happen. (laughs) A lack of hope or confidence in the future. Yeah. So pessimism is something I might like to get rid of. I know that it's not good for me. I know that it's not good for other people. Nobody wants to hear someone complain all the time. And I already feel like that's all that I've done on this podcast so far. And I'm sorry for that. I'm trying to do better. I recognize it. I'm very self-aware. I think I'm a very self-aware person. So I know I need to turn this around. I don't want to be known as a pessimist. There's zero fun in that. And I am an intellectual. I am a dreamer. I do dream big. The follow through may be lacking, but I have so many visions of what a lovely life would be. And I was actually thinking about this while driving last week of just like, I don't know that I've ever really lived just for me. My way of living feels like it's too often in response to circumstances, if that makes sense. And it's almost like it's rare that I've done something just for me. And if I have, then it's fleeting. It's like a very short thing or a singular activity or maybe a trip, which I've done, I think, twice on my own. But I really love being independent. I like knowing that I can support myself. I love to feel proud of myself. It's a really strong feeling when you can feel proud of yourself. And I don't want to just be getting by or going through the motions. I want to have original thoughts and ideas. I want to be exciting. 
I want to do things that are really meaningful to me, but admittedly, conceptualizing is not my strong suit. I even have a hard time with it in my creative hobbies, like give me constraints, give me something to mimic and I'll nail it, but coming up with something original, no dice. It's very hard for me. But I think that translates into, you know, just my way of navigating life in general is just, I kind of just go with the flow. I'm not spontaneous. I'm not risky. I just, I just go with it. And I don't really listen to my gut when it is feeling particularly inspired to do something. I just end up playing it safe. I do what feels logical or is less risky, or I do the thing that will be more widely accepted by others. I think the only time that I really kind of leaned into doing what I wanted to do was when I got married (laughs) because we eloped. And I feel like when we did it, it wasn't exactly like the trendy thing to do just yet. I'll definitely share that story at some point, but uh, yeah, long story short, pessimism. I need to ditch the whining a little, simmer it down some. I'm sure you all agree. But here's another tangent. Another thought that I was reflecting on during some of my lengthy driving last week is just the direction of this podcast. I'm still very much feeling unsure about where it's going and what it is or what I have to even offer because I can't possibly just talk about myself all the time. (laughs) I'd love for there to be advice that I can give or insight that I can provide to better someone else's life, to benefit you. But at the same time, I am trying to use this as a means of discovering a better sense of myself too and just like finding out who I am and what I enjoy and what brings me joy and my feelings towards certain things, my opinions and how they've been formed. I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to look inward and better understand why it is that I think certain things or feel certain ways because we are the sum of our experiences. And I think that's really fascinating to just reflect on that particularly because you don't even really realize that it's happening, right? Like you kind of just float on day by day and things happen or things don't happen and you have no idea how these events will impact you later. For example, I experienced something when I was younger that I didn't necessarily acknowledge as being any sort of pivotal point in my life. There wasn't like a before or an after this event. It was just like, a really shitty thing that happened and I'll likely touch on it at some point. I'm sorry, I'm I'm being a little bit of a tease today with a couple things, but it's like, these are things I wanna dive in more deeply on. But yeah, going back, it I just find it really very interesting how that impacted me later. Like it was one event, it didn't seem very pivotal at the time, but it turned out to be one of the primary reasons for how my anxiety manifests. And I just find that incredibly interesting that Something that happens to us as a child, whether it's a big event or small, or it's a series of events, or it was really gradual, maybe it wasn't, but it's just like, we're such sponges at that time and our brains are still forming. And if something happens, whether it's good or bad, or even just neutral, it still impacts us later and can manifest itself in such a variety of different ways. Like our brains, holy, now we're really going down a rabbit hole. It's so unfathomable how much work our brain does. It processes so much information and it's truly such a wonder that we even exist. I've started reading another book and I'm not even far in, I'm like 10 pages in, but it had some very interesting points very early in the book describing humanity. It's estimated that humans have been around for something like 250,000 years. So if we think of it like a book, every 250 years, represents one page of a 1,000-page book. 
But most of what we consider ancient history is really just like the very last pages of that huge book. Actually, allow me to just read a little bit from the book directly. So on the very last page, page 1000, it goes from the early 1770s to the early 2020s. And that contains, for example, all of US history as we know it. And right now, we're collectively venturing into the mysterious new world of page 1001. And this is exciting because of three things. One, technology is exponential. So if we go back to say page 760, and you kidnapped someone and transported them a few centuries forward to page 761, so just one page forward. Other than having to find new friends and make some cultural adjustments, they'd probably get along fine because the worlds of pages 760 and 761 were pretty much the same. For most of our history, that's what it would be like to jump forward 250 years to the next page. But the closer you get to page 1000, the less the rule holds. Like, what if we did the same thing with someone on page 992, 998, or 999? Going from page 998 to 999 is when, like, gravity became a thing, galaxies, human rights, the Western Hemisphere. You didn't even know you were in the Dark Ages until you were out of them. So the later you lived in this story, the more mind-blowing it would be to jump forward to the next page. And it has a couple examples of like what life was like for humanity from pages 1 to 999 versus page 1000. And that's just you know, one page over, 250 years. So like things were relatively the same for thousands of years until the last little bit. So like population under a billion people, turn that page, eight billion people. Um, communication, talking, writing letters, smoke signals. Now that last page, telegraph, telephone, email, text, video call, television, plumbing, like even something as simple as plumbing, you know, you're shitting in a pot. You're carrying water from well, you're rubbing cold water on yourself. That last page of the book, we have flushable toilets. We have running water and hot showers. The list goes on. The book goes on to say that it's natural to assume that the world we grew up in is normal, but nothing about our current world is normal because technology is exponential. Another factor is that more technology means higher stakes. More technology means better good times, but it also means better bad times. It says on that last page of the book, page 1000, a time of unprecedented life expectancy, wealth, political freedom. We also saw the two most catastrophic wars in history followed by existential threats with the invention of nuclear biological weapons and the onset of climate change. It's like as the times get better, they also get more dangerous. And the more technology that exists, the more it makes our species more powerful, which increases the risk. So it's almost like it doesn't matter how great those good times become because if the bad gets to a certain level of bad, then it's all over for us. The book outlines that the jump in technology from page 999 to 1000, we could potentially conquer every problem that currently exists like disease and poverty and climate change, maybe even mortality itself. But if the catastrophes of page 1000 were the most devastating yet, what does that mean about the catastrophes on page 1001? And then the third factor is essentially just like society's maturity levels. It's like humans are supposed to mature as they age, but we're actually getting a little bit more childish each year. Things like conspiracy theories, false narratives, fake news, 
Major institutions are failing, public shaming is back in fashion, and trust is disintegrating. And a philosopher once issued a warning to humanity saying, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And another philosopher a hundred years earlier said something very similar and said people will not look forward to prosperity who never look backward to their ancestors. So it's like we have a problem learning lessons. It's like technological lessons are learned and never forgotten, but wisdom lessons just don't stick and societies end up making age-old mistakes over and over again. But just to kind of round this out, the author kind of explains that we're not just reading this story, we're living inside of it. We're the characters, we're the authors, we're writing the story right now for that new page. So our responsibility is tremendous. And it's like, if we get it right, then it's a utopia. And if we get it wrong, then that might be the very last page of the book. All to say, going back to just how incredible the brain is, it's like so many gradual, gradual changes happened over time evolution. We evolved with the climate, with the environment, but the amount of change that we've sort of been witness to in this final page of the book has been profound. Like you cannot wrap your head around the amount of change that we've experienced. And as a result, our brains are still very primitive. They're very much designed to still be processing the type of information that they did 300 years ago. They're not designed to be glued to screens, not to be hunting for food or, you know, just being a witness to the tremendous amount of information that we're given every single day and that we're exposed to. Like, our brains just can't keep up. But we do have this higher mind that is able to self-reflect and can think outside of itself and see the world for what it really is. But that primitive mind just wants to survive and reproduce and help the offspring reproduce. But there can be, you know, an imbalance between that higher mind and that primitive mind where you drift into a no sense zone. And the book makes a really funny analogy about this where you see a bag of Skittles. The primitive mind thinks it's a great decision to eat Skittles. In the ancient human world, there was no such thing as processed food and calories were hard to come by, and anything with a texture and taste as delectable as a Skittle was surely a good thing to eat. But your higher mind knows better. It'll either skip the Skittles or have just a few, but sometimes there you are, 80 Skittles in, hating yourself because your primitive mind has hijacked. And it becomes this tug of war in your head and your thoughts and your emotions and your judgments. Anyway, that was like a huge ramble. My apologies, but I just find all of that just to be so interesting. So I have two recommendations. One is the book. It's called What's Our Problem by Tim Urban. Another is a really good podcast called The End of the World with Josh Clark. He's one of the hosts on Stuff You Should Know, but he did this 10 episode deep dive that explores the future of humanity and finds the dangers that we may possibly encounter. It's really, really interesting and also terrifying, <laughs> but I highly recommend it. It's very, very good. Okay, so I have completely forgotten yet again where I was. So let me just push pause and regroup once again. BRB. Hello, hello. Um, I don't know that I have a ton more of ideas of things I want to give up, but I do have one last one. And that is, I should probably give up saying yes to so many things. And admittedly, I am getting better at this. 
because I've been working on this for a while. I try to either delegate something to someone else or I just try to say, sorry, I don't have the bandwidth. And this applies to both my personal and my work life. I don't really like to say no, so I always try to find an alternative solution. Like I'm trying to be way more mindful about how I spend my time. And it does get messy sometimes and I lose sight of it. But yeah, I know that my time can be better spent in many, many ways. And I'm just trying to figure out what that is so that I can optimize that free time that I do have. And then I'm doing something that won't ultimately be detrimental, but instead I want to be able to learn from something that I'm doing with my free time and with my hobbies and with my work. I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to improve. And sometimes that comes with saying no to things once in a while. I'm also going to like put that along the same lines as setting boundaries. I think boundaries is a word that's like a, like a therapy word that's thrown around a lot, but like truly setting boundaries in many different areas of your life can be really beneficial for like your mental health, for your time management, uh, for everything. It's like if there are people in your life that drain you, then either put up that boundary of just not engaging with them as often or put harsh limits onto how long or how often you engage with them. And if you just commit to that, to that line, um, you'll feel much better. Or even like time boundaries, you know, set a timer when you have to do a certain task that isn't very fun and see how long it actually takes you to do it. And then, you know, it's only going to take you, you know, eight minutes the next time you go to do that thing. Maybe won't seem as daunting or you just, maybe you don't complete the thing in that time frame, but at least you gave yourself that boundary to at least like make an attempt at it, put some effort in, and it doesn't feel like a complete lost cause or that you haven't given any of your time or attention to whatever that thing is. Yeah. So boundaries and say no. All right. Let's, uh, let's close this out with a letter to you. I found this one on a website called lettersanonymous.com and it's actually really cute. It's like a super simple website and on the landing page, it's just a bunch of blank envelopes and you can just like pick one and open it and read it. And you can also submit letters there too, which is neat. So this one is called Dear Reader. And I just thought it was cute and it's a good little pick-me-up. So let's dive in. Dear reader, hey you, I'm so glad you decided to read this. If you're reading this, it's for you. It's for everyone and everything. For past, future, and present me, for the insecure, the doubting, the trying. I'm laying in my bed right now. It's the beginning of a new year. And this year, I've decided I want to pull my life together. To gather up my negative thoughts and feelings, to push away unhealthy relationships, to be myself honestly and truly, to be me. So if you're reading this and struggling with whatever it is, I know. I know what it's like to hurt and to sob till my body aches, to lie in bed and wonder if it will ever get any better. And I might sound like any other person, but maybe this will stick out to you. I know it's hard to take advice from someone you know, even if you know they've got your best interest in mind, so I'm here to say it. As the great Taylor Swift once said, Never take advice from someone who's falling apart. So maybe you can't trust my words, but from someone who's fallen apart and is trying to piece herself back together, I believe in you. I do. I think you can do it. I know you can. So get up, drink some water, take a shower, eat some good, healthy food, and do something that makes you happy, something that makes you smile or laugh. Do something good for you. Do the thing you're scared of doing. Just do. Remember how to smile, to laugh, to have fun, and to feel good. You're beautiful and strong and worthy of good things. And I love you. From someone who has fallen apart. 
Okay, I think that is quite enough for today. I hope that my rambles and my tangents and my chaos is fun and perhaps insightful. Love having these types of conversations, but admittedly very difficult to do by yourself. Um, So again, I'm still wanting very much to have a guest on and like actually have a proper conversation with a human but I do need to set aside some time to figure out the logistics behind that. But if you are interested at all in being a guest, please let me know. I have a little short list happening right now. But overall, I do just want to thank you so much for listening, and I hope you do tune in again next time. If there's a particular topic that might be of interest that you'd like me to touch on, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram. You can find me at the Little Bean Pod. And as always, you're welcome to just reach out and tell me how you liked the episode. And I mean that, honestly, please reach out. Not enough people are reaching out. What can I do to better facilitate the engagement? I'm happy to appease you as my audience. Anywho, with that, I'm the little bean, and this is my pod. Peace out.